Hello, and welcome to the Minnesota Music Makers podcast. My name is Josh, and today we will be wrapping up the second half of my interview with Albert Perez. Uh, last we left, I was taking the world's longest pee break, so as you can guess, I am quite relieved now. <laughs> and uh, yeah, it was necessary to take a break because it was a nice long interview of about four hours, but there are certainly no complaints here. Um, honestly, we could have kept going for a long time, and just having just having known this guy this long, I'm glad I got the opportunity to just find out more about him. It was it, it was a great time. So this week uh, we'll be covering a little bit more of uh, how he got started with a lot of the projects that he has been or um, somewhat currently currently is in. Uh, a little bit more history about joining up with the Drop Steppers, uh, Doug Otto and the Getaways, and uh, a little bit about the Poor Nobodies, uh, which is a definitely its its own genre of music. I highly suggest you check it out. They've done numerous sound, uh, numerous uh, music scores for uh, a couple of independent films, um, which you can find on YouTube. I'll see if I can put up a couple of links. On the Instagram page, MN Music Makers. Just all in all, it was a great time, and uh, yeah, and just to kind of attest to how hard of a worker Albert is, he has a couple shows coming up this weekend, which um, I noticed the dates and I was like, hang on. The real Chuck Nelred has a show, and Doug Otto has a show, and. I just got those flashes of me back in the day of switching back between, you know, two, sometimes even three shows in a night. And man, that I certainly think that says something about someone who is just so passionate about something that they really love, music, the bands that they're in, and just him as a person in general. Also, as a quick note, at about an hour and 25 minutes in, the audio slightly shifts a little lower in volume we just had to do a minor uh, setup adjustment so all the mad props to albert for everything he has done over the years and just for being an overall great individual so without further ado here is the second half of my interview with albert perez Grab a drink. Yeah, I have to. I have to. Uh, maybe I have nothing to apologize for, but uh, I feel like I'm talking a lot, and I know that's the point of podcast talk. But uh, I just realized that it might be because of the pandemic, and I don't get to fucking talk to anybody. <laughs> <laughs> no, dude, it's all good. Um, so, so, so I'm, I'm relish. I'm relishing in this, this, this whole experience. You know what I mean? To. Uh, talk about nothing and everything yeah and that's 
Yeah, big part of it is just like I I want to hear your stories and um, like I had a we had the opposite issue of coming back from Canada is where we got caught. Who, who are you on the road with? So we when uh, Gilbots um, Aaron had a hookup with a band called the Afterbeat and we played up in Winnipeg and uh, getting oh, fun getting up there was easy like they they looked at our stuff we. Uh, we did we stuck to the script and we didn't we didn't struve it <laughs> yeah <laughs> you but, know and I want to say one thing I want to say yeah. one thing about that story is that struve is one of the most fucking hardworking, honest people in in um that I've ever met and that like um it didn't surprise me that somehow in the in in getting off script the way that he did that it happened the way he is because he's such a like a nice and honest dude and yeah. um but anyways kill bots so god i think i was i think i was a senior in high school uh when i was playing guitar for them uh and yeah so we were on our way up to winnipeg uh getting up there was no issue like i said they they looked at our passports we were good we played the show had a fun time um as we came back uh, i don't know why we got pulled aside I, they said it was a random car check or something and uh, so they yeah. took. The this is on your way back, you said, right? Yeah, coming back into the U.S. Okay, okay, got it, got and it. So, and we were in. Aaron was driving. Um, so they pulled the two porters, and they had them in a separate room, like a the big old warehouse kind of holding area with some tables, where they put our belongings on. They opened up all our shit. They splayed it all out, but they put me into an isolation room by myself, which was the weird thing because they didn't tell me why. They just did it. So, but then eventually I poked my head out and I was like, can I come out? Because no one's come to talk to me or said what's going on. And they said, yeah, that's fine. So there was no issue. It was just like an extra hour, hour and a half of us having to sit at the damn border for no reason really at all. So, Yeah. Oh, <laughs> terrible. You know, and I, you would think you guys, you guys obviously had like the, the papers like you know like your, your permits and stuff or because they usually send you with a package of permits and stuff like that to keep them all together yeah. um yeah like i'd like to think that like when we were when we we're like they didn't they didn't they didn't haul all our shit out i mean they could have if they wanted to but they didn't do that with us when we were up there i, I like to think that maybe because they saw um that we were organized you know we just yeah you know we tried to just bring merch over across the border you know that they didn't like you know fuck up our shit and like bring put it all over the place but they did that with you yeah you guys had your permits yeah they they threw it all over the damn tables which is weird but it was like the, it was even like the gear at the band like the gear or you said that like the, they're gonna let you borrow gear up there thankfully we borrowed gear so it's just our clothes okay. the one or two things we bought oh, okay but still it's a pain in the ass i mean you packed it all in there and, and it has to make sense you know what i mean so that sucks Quit looking at my damn underwear you jerks that kind of thing yeah <laughs> yeah i know i need to buy new shit you know what i mean like I know it has holes in it my damn holes um but yeah i'm glad land of you live in a land of opportunity and you can't afford new fucking underwear fucking so like when you when you were up there or whatever um when you were up there in canada did they like uh they when we were up there they hooked us up with like this is like what another nice thing that they did for us mm -hmm. uh is that they hooked us up with like petty cash Mm -hmm. you know to spend up there and i that was like a that was a um 
was was really because because we had to like do our show go to the hotel and then pack our shit like there was no partying or anything afterwards i mean we, we, we saw we I think we stayed for like the oh the last band who the hell was it i'm not gonna remember but that's cool so the, have, you, have you had any other experience uh touring at all um nothing really besides like a long weekend stuff like i was in this band mutagen uh metal band with a few friends uh where i i was the drummer that was the first time i tried drumming was our guitarist had a drum set in a basement that i lived in and i picked it up um and then we do like iowa wisconsin and then um we just kind of hang out in, in wisconsin for an extra day and that was our tour but uh, so to answer your question, not quite, but it was fun to be out of town for like three or four days stretches, you know, see new people. Yeah. Play in a crusty basement. <laughs> yeah. I mean, for some for some people, that's enough. Yeah. You know. Like Appleton was the shit. I've kind of... What's up? Oh, Appleton was the shit. Oh, yeah. Yeah. We, that's like, uh, that's, a, that's like a, right by where I live or I'm from. Okay, yeah, it's uh, there was uh, some crusty punks that um, some of them moved here uh, years ago, and so they'd go back and forth between here and Appleton, and there was a band, Choose Your Poison, that we made friends with, and they'd hook us up with shows whenever we'd go out there. In Appleton, yeah, like that, if I will say this about my corner of the world, um, that Appleton is kind of like where all the shows happen really i mean like there's like scoppleton there i i actually had never seen the. i mean i had opportunities to like see that to go to that festival or whatever it just didn't work out yeah maybe there was like a show in milwaukee or chicago or something that i went to go see instead but like i just i never went to that festival but like when it the for whatever reason like that's always been kind of the spot in around that area and yeah. like it's not Appleton's not that far. My my friend Jay from Pertnears, um, mm -hmm. um, Jay Lenz, he's a guitar player in Pertnear Sandstone, and he's from there. That's and, where he's uh, from. Oh shit! Yeah, dude, he's okay. yeah he's from there. His dad lives there, I believe. Um, and uh, uh, so we kind of share that. But that's always been kind of like. I, I meet someone from, I meet people from time to time or from like Appleton or whatever, or like, they're like, oh, we're going to Appleton to go do this or go see a show or whatever. So that, that, that's no surprise to me mm -hmm. that when you say Appleton, that, uh, that, that there's actually shows there. Actually, you know what, dude, like there used to be some really cool fucking places to see shows like in Green Bay, but we, we don't have to talk about that. I want to hear, I want to hear about your um, Appleton. So when you would go there or whatever, was that like a regular thing or was that just like a one-time thing going going to Appleton to play that was I I think at most I went there three times I went there probably wow see that that doesn't surprise me at all that's great yeah it was a couple times with mutagen and then uh I played guitar in this other band very briefly to fill in called inhumane genocide and okay. uh yeah it was this house called the poison estate and so just a bunch of crusty punks hanging out um obviously you pregame, play the show as best as you could, and then go upstairs and just fucking wreck up the place <laughs> and then wake up and yeah. see what, what happened to it the next day. 
So didn't have to worry about like getting kicked out of the bar, didn't have to worry about getting home, just then they'd let you crash at their at their place upstairs. And yeah, that was fun. <laughs> God, they like absolutely like it makes okay. You can make a crusty punks crust, like that makes more sense in like Minneapolis, but that this 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 is the thing. This is the thing about the fucking Midwest and maybe like Wisconsin or something uh-huh. like you just kind of like gotta build things. Just if you want it, you can have it. You just gotta make it happen. Yep. Crusty fucking punks in Appleton. That does not surprise me at mm-hmm. all. That, that that someone tried to like do, make a scene like that there. I mean, I think there's like there's Oshkosh. There's a college and everything. Mm-hmm. So like you might get some like people trying to live like in Appleton and like go to school in Oshkosh or something. You know what I mean? And then like you're not that. You're kind of far from Milwaukee. Well, that I mean that does not surprise me that there was like a crust like there was a punk house in in um in uh, appleton at all it does yeah. not that does not surprise me one bit i think um, there's probably at least one more around town because they were also like working class people too so it's like go work oh, totally do the shit because so, that's wisconsin a lot too it's farmers yeah. and well especially out there like you have uh you have appleton oshkosh um fond du lac and then, mm-hmm. like, you're not too far from, like, Green Bay. Yeah. So, like, uh, you get kind of, like, it's not quite. And then you got Sheboygan, but, you know, it's, it's, it, Sheboygan is what it is. You know what I mean? But, like, you get, like, especially out there, you know, there's kind of, like, um, there's younger, there's, like, there's younger people. And st- there's young people out there. You know what I mean? Yeah. And then you got, like, the, you got, like, the small colleges and stuff. And you're not too far from, like, Green Bay and everything, like, uh when I, when I was like younger, when I was still living back home or whatever, like in the, the late nineties, in the late nineties and the early, uh, to about like 2000, no, it was like the, till the late nineties when it closed down, but there was this place called the Contra Cafe. So like a lot of, a lot of places, like a lot of bands that would play Milwaukee or Chicago on their way through, they'd get asked. And there was like this dude named Time Bomb Tom, who like was the, either the owner or like ran the exclusive company, which was like this chain of like, record stores in wisconsin they had them in most like most of the bigger cities like milwaukee and madison and shit but they had one in green bay and that's where time bomb tom managed or like owned it i can't remember but he also was an owner of the Kaja cafe which was like um an all-ages venue so like i saw some fucking kick-ass shows there dude when i was like young i was like oh yeah uh, if we couldn't go if we couldn't go to milwaukee to see them we'd we'd like check the calendar and it was like one of those things where you better like if you're up in green bay for like for for a show you better go grab a calendar for the concert cafe there or at the exclusive company or whatever yeah. and bring it with you because otherwise you wouldn't know who was playing next month and then you're fucked then you're like going up to like green bay and not knowing or like you know a lot of times i had enough friends where like someone would grab one so we always kind of knew but like i saw like Peter the test tube babies and like some humans. <laughs> really? Uh, there's this early uh the groovy ghoulies. Like mm-hmm. who else did I fucking see? The, there was this this was kind of cool, but kind like it was kind of cool. I met uh the Misfits played there, but it was like when they when they were first touring that record with like Michael Graves, it was like their very first record. But like somehow Time Bomb Tom, he kept saying it on the mic, and he was like this big, this what does he look like? <sighs> He was just like this big, this big fucking dude who had with like who had like a clean cut Henry Rollins haircut, okay. you know, but a big guy, not not like like but he's like a fat guy, you know what I mean? Yeah. With glasses, and he'd always wear like this like 
like leather jackets and um but he was an older older punk you know what i mean and like yeah he would always get super excited on the mic and be like all right i pay these guys a lot of money to play <laughs> nothing but old songs tonight and he just would always get on the mic and just like you know just we're like boo get down you know we did like boom or whatever like fuck you yeah. you know and like fuck out the stage yeah. yeah, get the fuck on. You don't want to see the Misfits or whatever. And like the yeah. Misfits like play this like tiny, tiny, tiny stage, you know, mm-hmm. no uh all ages, no booze. Um oh, club. And they played like they played all their old tunes. They didn't play anything off that. They played they played that one American Psycho song from that record, but that was about it. And okay. they like played all old Misfit songs. It was fucking awesome, you know, because I didn't want to hear any of that crappy new misfit stuff shit yeah i mean there's like there's some there's some songs that i don't even want to fucking listen to period they're old night that i got to hear like all the old shit i mean i i saw yeah i saw a lot of great bands there oh that's like some of the first shows where i would where i saw like the unseen and like casualties i mean say what you want about those bands now but like back in the early like the back in the late 90s or whatever like that was those guys were like living in their bands like touring non-stop and shit you know antidote all those bands and we're super into those guys um back in the day actually like the casualties stayed at my friend's place in sheboygan when i was a kid but like those guys like actually just stay in the van because they didn't want to fuck with some suburban sheboygan home and like but like their their roadies and their merch guy like stayed up with us it was fucking hilarious like like casualties had just like released like some some like uh live dvd that they did in like japan or some shit or whatever and like the fucking dude but you got to imagine this house, like ranch style house, Sheboygan, Wisconsin, like completely pristine paint. You know, this looks like a mom lives there. You know what yeah. I mean? Like a like yeah. a suburban fucking couple. You know what I mean? Like a little bit nicer. And like, so we're we're all in there with like our leather, like, you know, our leather jackets and our fucking, you know, whatever. We're coming back from like the show. And like mm-hmm. somehow my friend Nick like convinces the casualties to come back and like stay at his mom's place and his parents are out of town they're like they're like in fucking wisconsin dells or some shit like <laughs> some vacation spot close by in wisconsin or something and like so so like the the casualties are there oh my god you know we're gonna be partying with the casualties all night and i'm like you know i'm like 17 years old or something like that yeah. so it's gonna be great you know we're gonna be hanging out and um and uh so like we get we get to the party we get there late a little bit later you know what i mean mm-hmm. and uh, we show up and it's just like his roadie the one of the roadies and like and like the merch guy or whatever these guys are just like just your fucking typical punk rock slobs you know what i mean yeah. like <laughs> you know what i mean like just and we're like drinking with them and watching like the dvd i think like like i think beggars came in for like a second mm-hmm. for like to to watch but anyways 
Those yeah. guys like totally stole a bunch of shit. Oh, what? <laughs> yeah, well, like it was, it was harmless. It wasn't like I, yeah. I could get like money for this lamp. It wasn't like that. It was like a pillow and some like canned foods and all this stuff. It was like I remember my friend Nick being like pissed off about the pillows. <laughs> I was like I don't know what I'm gonna do. They just took the pillows. You go to you know, Target like, get any more? God damn it! <laughs> yeah, I know. You let you got you let the casualties take whatever they want. You know, yeah. like, but it wasn't the casualties. It wasn't. Right. It was like their fucking roadie and their fucking merch guy or whatever. And like, mm-hmm. like the guy, it was hilarious because like the, the the merch guy was totally treating this house. And you know, this is like me. I'm young, and I'm fucking getting wasted and shit. And like, I don't give a fuck. But he's treating it like one of those punk houses, like in Appleton, like you're talking about. Like he's kind of bashing it up. Oh, like he's like he's like. Like, you know, like, this is like wall-to-wall carpet in this fucking place, you know, like yeah. white carpet. And the, and the guy's, like, makes this pyramid, like, of cans, and it, like, knocks them over, and there's beer everywhere, and he's being loud. Like, I was like, wow, there's, like, almost zero reason to be, like, being this loud because there's, like, five people here, and that's all there is going to be here tonight. It's basically, like, a du- Dungeons and Dragons circle at this point. You know what I mean? Like, like there's no one here, and like the casualties, those they're fucking sleeping in the van. Yeah. You know what I mean? And here we are, fucking partying with the goddamn fucking merch guy, and he's acting like a yeah. fucking idiot. You know what I mean? Because we're just like, man, this party sucks. You know? I mean, it was cool. I mean, the show was awesome. Yeah. You know what I mean? But like, we're just like, and like half, most of my friends like didn't even show up to like the party because they knew it was gonna suck because it was like at Matt's, or I'm sorry, um. Um, my other buddies was at Matt's house. Uh, anyways, it was it was one of my buddy's house or whatever, his parents' house, and they were gonna be gone. I mean, everyone knew like his home it was gonna be like this fucking suburban home or whatever. You know? Yeah, let's go. Fuck up the not just like house. this gnarly, yeah, shit, punk house where you can like throw where we can throw down. You know what I mean? Like it wasn't gonna be like fucking fun, but yeah. of course super fucking fanboy me i guess you know i wanted to go there and party with the band you know what i mean but i mean then i was then i was pretty obsessed about getting into a band and like touring forever and eating out of garbage cans and all that shit whatever i had to do in order to like get on the road you know but like so that's that's what brought me there you know what i mean um something i realized i don't think i asked yet uh after all this drop steppers talk was how did that even get started was that tom's idea or did you guys come together and because you you said that you listened to like hepcat and uh, other similar uh original or older more classical sounding ska reggae stuff um yeah how did that come together um well me and me and tom used to play like in this band when i first like graduated from college like it was like a we had this band called the foundation and it kind of like it was kind of like uh like a hip-hop funk reggae thing i don't know it was uh, it was fun and we we recorded that in our in our apartment that we were living in together we had like a this town home in like richfield and we're living with one other dude a friend of ours and we just kind of recorded this like this record like using like some gnarly recording equipment that's how me and tom kind of met um he was a friend of a friend you know what I mean? And just kind of moved into a room that needed to be occupied. And then we just kind of hit it off or whatever, you know? Yeah. Then there was like a time between that and, the, and then being in that band for a couple of years 
whatever, three years at the most, maybe two or something. Mm-hmm. Digging that out, whatever, having the success that we did or we didn't have. And then I lost kind of track of Tom. Kind of, Tom kind of did his own thing. Sure. And then like uh, Tom started coming around again and we just, just uh, you know, Tom would pop up every once in a while and like show me something that he was like working on. And then like, uh, we were just like, yeah, whatever. One of these times you got to get together and do something. I don't know what, you know what I mean? Yeah. And this is like the time when he, he came back around again and ban- there was like agri lights were doing it. You know what I mean? But there wasn't really like any super active, like ska scene. I mean, there's reggae for days everywhere, but like, you know, there's reggae bands, but like no one like ska except like, you know, the prize. Like, like now I'm talking about like what I've noticed local, uh, nationally, not like what's happening here. I mean, Minska has been here for a long, for a while, long time, you know, uh, 11 years, apparently, according to that poster. It was 10, but then it was crossed out and it said 11. It's like, no, 11. Oh, it has to be like, yeah. <laughs> but, you know, so, so you know, it, the scene, there was a scene for it or whatever, but like nationally, that was like, that was like the the, the band that like uh, grabbed me. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And like, uh, I don't know if, I don't think it was like my idea or anything like that, but we had like, we had talked about doing something. And like that music kind of grabbed grabbed me or whatever, and like uh, well, me and Tom just started kind of getting together, and we um we put the band together. But so that's how that kind of started. I mean, I don't know if it was like I'm not trying to take credit for that. Like we should start a reggae band. It wasn't like that that or anything like that. It was just kind of like uh, we gotta get we gotta work together somehow and do something. What what should it sound like? And and that's what it how it kind of kind of came, came about you know because right. it was it was more or less like revisiting what me and tom kind of already had done together um the first time with the foundation okay um reggae was a huge influence on that on that band and actually more importantly the recording um and i say that because like it started off as a recording project first and then and then we put a and then we got a band together um, this is this is the foundation of not, not drop steppers okay so then like so then uh years later when we decided to like work together again it was just like well what should this thing sound like you know and we act there's actually demos out there I, I, tom might have them someplace i know i i ought to have to look at my giant spool of cds that don't have cases and see if i still have it but there's like music that we recorded as the drop steppers that doesn't sound anything like the first album. Oh, um, interesting. Yeah. Like I remember we were like writing this music and at the beginning, this is when Chris and Doug, um, my longtime friends, bandmates, uh, shout out to Chris and Doug. They were in the band. Doug had like bought this Nord keyboard and like he, he already knew how to kind of play piano. So he just wanted to experiment and kind of put that on getaways albums like, you know, that flavor. And Chris has been, I've been playing with Chris since forever. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. So it just made sense that I would ask them to, like when we were, we're trying to think of like who to put together this band with, like who should we get? And I was just like, well, I don't know any like buddy who's in a ska and reggae. I, but I could ask these, these down musicians. I can ask Chris and Doug and Tom already knew Chris and Doug. You know what I mean? So I asked those, I asked them. And they, they agreed, you know, because they're like, what do you want to do? It's like, well, this is what we want to do. You know, we're kind of thinking like, you know, 
reggae influence, whatever. We'll see what it what this sounds like at the end. So we recorded like these songs and like uh, or wrote these songs. There was probably like four or five of them. There was enough. I know there was enough for like an EP. We had a guy roll through and record us live. Like there's like this party that we that we threw. Can you hear me? Yep. Yep. I'm listening. So so there was there was this party. Um, we threw ourselves a party and had this guy roll through, and we uh, and we recorded this like. This, this music that we had been working on and it doesn't sound anything like drop suppers music um it kind of sounds like like funky sublime or something just to kind of like the, i know if i know if tom heard that he'd fucking you'd laugh <laughs> yeah tell, said fuck off it doesn't sound like that but like that this is this is the kind of like negativity i was that i was like totally like i was hating on this music that we were writing Sure. I was like, we should be doing something a little bit pure, you know, a little bit, you know, and, and mm-hmm. Tom agreed. So we like, so, so like we canned it. We like, we wrote, we wrote all this music, canned it. And Doug was so mad. Oh no. Like, cause we had like, we had wrote all this music and then we're just like, fuck this shit. We don't want to play it anymore. I didn't want to play it anymore. You know, because like I said, to me, it sounded like, I remember we had this song that just like reminded me of like the Rolling Stones and like, I remember like being like, this sounds like, I never said this to anybody, you know, but, but Tom knew how I felt, but I was yeah. like, this sounds like Rolling Stones and sublime. This, yeah. I don't like this at all. This sucks. And so I, I remember when we ditched it and Doug was fucking so mad. He was like mad. And like, I, I don't know if it made him like want to quit the band or anything like that, but he stayed on for a while, mm-hmm. but I know he was mad about that shit. And I know that Chris was not happy and, and like we were, we're, we're like in between a bass player, like our, we, the bass player wasn't about what we were doing. He was actually a big, a guy named Rich Casey, who I worked with in getaways. And well, he was like the first bass player in the getaways. We did sell that music. And then we just, we started writing what would, what was going to become the, the music for get up in it. Okay. You know? And I, that might've been like, we might've worked on that probably for a year or something. Or maybe some of the songs were already kind of forming at that point you know but we are we're writing and and then we're working out those tunes that what what, what what would make it on the songs that would make it on like a huge court like a huge turn for the band was like we ditched all those other songs because we had enough music for like you know an ep like i said but but uh sometimes you just got to do that man i mean if it ain't right it's not right or whatever even though it doesn't fit inside what uh, someone else's vision or whatever because the band could have like a decision like that i mean it's not like it's not like we we, we kind of decided for the band that we were going to go in this direction you know what I mean? In a new direction. And then whoever's yeah. with us is with us. Yeah. You know what I mean? But like, you know, the band could have like broken up 
completely or whatever, but, you know, Paul was sticking around and then uh, we did, we had, we worked up that music, mm-hmm. you know, and then we started kind of playing it out. Like the music, it wasn't recorded yet. Get up when it was recorded, but we worked up that music. And we, that's what we played like with those first shows at the triple rock and all that shit. You know what I mean? So yeah. like, but Doug was with us there. There's like some, there's some video someplace, like of the, the very first incarnation of, um, of um, getaways playing, uh, or getaway, sorry, of um, drop steppers playing at the triple rock with like Doug and Chris playing, mm-hmm. um, Chris playing drums and Doug playing organ. Um, then you see Paul and, and, um, and Struve is in it. So basically it's like the getaways with <laughs> Tom and, Paul, you know, it really is. And, That's uh, true. It's true. And uh, it was Struve up there, you know. So it's kind of, it's kind of, it's kind of cool. You know what I mean? Uh, to see some of that old footage, and me and Tom had like a conversation about like the old, the first, you know, incarnation of like the drop steppers, and he really liked the way that um, Doug Doug's feel on the organ was, and Chris's feel on the drums. Mm-hmm. I think it had had a lot to do with just like the rhythm section note because we we already had played hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of gigs together already you know yeah. what i mean so we were already super familiar with each other and shit when it came to like playing together so it was like really easy i, I mean i don't know if that had anything to do with it but uh i know tom that was what he had said that to me recently that that was like one of his favorite you know he had reasons why it was one of his favorites you know not necessarily his favorite not gonna not gonna cut down uh bri bri perfect <laughs> Our old, our old organ player who moved to uh, moved to New Mexico to pursue the, uh, his dream of op- of opening his own restaurant. So, oh, that's um, cool. yeah. Uh, but but Tom had said that about the about that about Chris and Doug. It was that was really nice because I, I I I mean, you know, we everyone talks about a lot of things, but like it was kind of cool like to hear him say that because I didn't know that's not how he felt, you know. And um, that was that was nice. I mean, any any chance I get to play with Chris and Doug or any of the or Struve, I mean, those guys are my my brothers. You know what I mean? Like, um, yeah. I try I try to be like anytime I ever needed needed anybody, like I that's who I got. And it's uh, funny that we're talking about playing with my bros. Yeah, Chris, Chris was in this band with me when we first. Dude, I just saw a picture of us. We were we were like twenty one years old or 22 like chris um chris played in his band with me called the stimulo it was a spanish rock band and at the time there wasn't there wasn't a scene for this kind of shit at all okay it was just it's rock in espanol and it was like you know it wasn't like they weren't like playing like mana songs and all that shit they were playing like not obscure obscure to me because i didn't really know anything about like indie indie rock in espanol mm-hmm. you know um um from Mexico and South America and Spain, you know what I mean? And other, I, yeah. I didn't know anything about that rock, you know, like Cafe de Cuba. Oh, uh, what other songs do we cover? But anyways, but he was in this band with me earlier on, you know, so like being Chris go way back in collaboration outside of the getaways. And he was like the only white guy in the band, you know, and um, he played percussion in it. So uh, that was like in 2000 two or something like that i was already living here going to school being in that band and i was we were under i remember we was being like underage for like the bars for instance and and uh the band would play out but you know so i've been collaborating with like chris for a very very long time so like outside of the getaways you know what i mean 
Mm-hmm. So like any, anything would ever come up, we just grab one if it's someone would be available. You know what I mean? Definitely. Like I was uh like I was in this even though Strew was in the getaways, not a founding member. Oh no, this is a this is a prime example. So getaways needed a needed a bass player, and then like you know, I've been playing with Struve um in like the poor nobodies and like you know, I asked Struve to play in the getaways and like he's been in the getaways ever since. You know what I mean? So it's just yeah. kind of like that. The incestuous nature of this music scene. That's like, what I was all up. the way back. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> but anyways, I digress. That's okay. Uh, mm. drop steppers. So that's how that kind of how that kind of came up together. Okay. Mm-hmm. I, I don't really know whose idea it was. I, I just know I just remember it being like we should we gotta do something, you know. And um we, there was definitely growing pains. And then like, you know. Yeah, and that's uh I think when I first saw you guys, I think it was at the three three one honestly or something like that um, yeah like i don't i don't want to make it seem like those triple rock shows were our first shows yeah yeah i don't i don't they i'm just saying like there was we definitely like played some spots you know what i mean yeah, yeah and it and was the reason why yeah. man the reason why is we didn't know the drop steppers were a band not knowing that minska existed yeah like our first shows like with the drop steppers like dude we played like at the at memory lanes we played with hardcore crayons did you and like <laughs> and like yeah because like they were like they're because like i think like either me or someone like literally like looked up like ska reggae bands mm-hmm. minneapolis and like that got brought up somehow and i think we might have contacted them because we wanted to book our own shows we we you know you know how they have punk rock bowling or whatever i think we did oh, one yeah. of those mm-hmm and like uh or some sunday some bullshit i don't know and like uh memory lane is not bullshit but it was just some bullshit you know what i mean yeah and um and um like we didn't know we didn't know anybody existed like anybody was playing this playing the the music that we were playing you know what i mean yeah so so that makes sense why you probably saw us at like 331 either after or before we started playing with the prize fighters but um but yeah and then like eventually like we we've uh after those hardcore crayon that hardcore crayon show or whatever yeah like after that that we started like making friends you know what i mean finding that there was actually an or not only is, is there a bands but there's an organization of, pe- of people trying to do this because we we just kind of were just doing it ourselves because we did out of ignorance you know not that like not that we were asking for help or needed help, but you know, there's strength in numbers. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that's cool that, like you said, um, it's making something that uh, was a bit more pure and something that you personally enjoyed. Like sometimes you do have to go through drafts of what kind of a band, what kind of music feels good to you. Cause if you're playing something that you, that just doesn't feel natural, doesn't feel good, then why would you want to play it? That kind of thing yeah i mean i think that's like just this creating i mean it could have do it it could have went completely the other direction like you know all of a sudden we were just kind of honest something with those mm-hmm. the first ep and like whoa it's like we intended it to be like this uh 
throwback to Toots of the Mytals and and Desmond Decker and Agrilites and you know and it completely wasn't and you know we could have went in a different direction from there you know yeah we could have been we could have been the uh rolling stones meet sublime <laughs> band of our dreams <laughs> yeah <right. laughs> oh man Well, like yeah, it could have ended up a lot of a lot, a lot of different ways. But yeah, like you know, it was. It's. I'm glad that it did because it's like it was kind of it was kind of awkward at first because like you know, where the fuck were we gonna play? Who were we gonna play with? You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like we're like and and when we decided to do that because like you know we saw bands like because you know we're remembering Hep Cat because me and Tom like always like when I first met Tom like we all like you always just like listen to Hepcat and shit. Like I was still listening to that shit. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I still do. Yeah. But like, um, but like, it was like, you know, we we're kind of like getting those influences in our first project or whatever. So like, you know, we were like listening to like Hepcat and stuff. And like, that like had a, a big influence on what the drop surfers were trying to do in the second phase Thank after you. ditching all that other music, you know what I mean? Yeah. And like, and, uh, but we were like, where the fuck are we going to play this? You know, we're going to play who's, you know, so that's why, like, it was kind of an awkward shows. I mean, no, no, no uh, disrespect to hardcore crayons, but we all, both me and you know what they sound like. It's kind yeah. of awkward, kind of weird, not out of the realm of why that show makes sense and where or made or why it doesn't. Yeah. But, you know, you, you know, drop steppers could play with a band like hardcore crayons and still play a show. And as a matter of fact, Minneapolis is, you can do that here yep you know you can play with like you can play with three different the bands can be they're not always the most conducive to like crowds or whatever but you can play with three different genres of bands and still fucking have a good time but anyways yeah uh but it was good it was good to to, to finally meet like you know you courtney and whitney and jordan and, and aaron and everything because like once once we met the prize fighters and everything i mean really at the time there was like hardly anybody really. I mean, there was other band. There was like the older bands, uh, Three Minute Hero and uh, Umbrella Bed too. Uh, Umbrella Bed, yeah, the yeah. one that that uh, yeah, and uh, Umbrella Bed. There was like the older older bands who like you know try to come up in that when that wave of ska came through, yeah. you know, in the late nineties, early two thousands, trying to get that real big fish money. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> they're a bit more third wave uh, than the traditional kind of style that we were going for. That kind of thing. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And I think that like, um, I feel like the prize fighters already kind of established what they wanted to do uh, before they heard bands like, like, like the Agrolites. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, I'm just speaking for myself. Like, when I heard the Agrolites, I'm like, I, I, it's like I want, I, I like the old stuff because I've always liked the old stuff. You yeah. know what I mean? That I wanted to, that that's what I wanted to do. But I feel like when, when we showed up, that the prize fighters were kind of already established. Like, what they're like, this is what we do. We do old school Scott. You know what I mean? Um, 
Can I ask you something? Have you have you had Aaron on one of these? Yeah, he's a two-parter. Yours is going to be a two-parter. Ah! Yeah. Oh, nice. Yeah. Nice for the two, uh, for the two-parter for uh, fucking uh, <laughs> for Return of the Jedi and uh, fucking Empire Strikes Back and shit. Uh, Albert Strikes Back. But uh, yeah, we might have to do a New Hope. We're going backwards. Uh, <laughs> but uh, um. Um, yeah, I, I did. I, I did have him on here for that Prize Fighters Old School Edition, where I went back and I interviewed uh, the majority of the original band, just to kind of get their viewpoint of how they, kind of like what I'm doing now, except a concentrated band, how they got started, but then how they came into the band because some of them hadn't played their instrument. Like Nate, the trumpet player, hadn't played his trumpet for a long ass time. Whitney was more of a classical pianist. Um, but Jordan and Aaron had been playing in bands since high school. And, yeah. Uh, but yeah, Aaron just kind of, Aaron paved the way pretty much for about everything. It was him and a crew of friends in the early 2000s sat down. They're like, hey, there is no ska scene here. And with the internet just starting up kind of with message boards and MySpace, so like, why don't we use this to our advantage? And then along with... Uh, this other organization here, Twin Cities Underground for, for kids, you know, for all ages venue shows. Um, they use that as well to be like, hey, we can have shows here. And, it, and you know, how many all ages shows are there now? Whereas a lot of ska stuff, a lot of third wave stuff, you know, you get started at that. Not, not that you did. <laughs> I did. But um, you know, it's, it's good to have energetic music like that accessible to the youth so then they can maybe learn about the slackers they can learn about hepcat agrolytes that kind of thing i don't know yeah absolutely like um i you know uh i was talking about the concert cafe earlier in green bay i mean that was like that was huge for us i mean because like a lot of the places if it wasn't like a, a punk show like a, a house show in milwaukee or madison like, you know, oh, there was no all ages things. The concert cafe was kind of it, you know, like you could get into like all ages shows and at the rave at the rave in Milwaukee and some of the other places, you know, but they were earlier, but there was definitely a lot of shows where we couldn't, you know, and then like, I remember like when I first moved here and I was, I wasn't 21 when I first moved here, I was like 19, you know, and like, they had, I, I remember the Sir some Corda and then they later, later turned into the Foxfire, I think it was called. Yeah. And that was like an all, that was like an all ages place. And, that was really fucking cool. I mean, granted, like when I was going there, I was starting to become like the geezer, like there, but there was definitely kids there, you know, who were like 16 years old, fucking scene kids standing up, smoking cigarettes out there. I was like, yeah. you little fucking get out of my face, little kids. You know, I was like, I was barely like, you know, 20 years old. Exactly. Yeah. Or whatever. But anyways, like, you know, I, I, it was, it's cool that they had places like that here. And I, uh, and I feel like, I feel like uh, that it, I want to say like, oh, you know, it'd be awesome if they like had that still, you know, but I feel like it just kind of, it's, it just kind of happens without the geezers, you know what I mean? Like, we don't know about it. You know what I mean? It's already, it's already happening. There's places for kids to play, you know, right? Yeah. I mean, I just like I just I just played a show I just played a show over the Pandy at Cadence Records in in uh, West St. Paul, and that place is like an all ages fucking joint. And I was like, that's great. I mean, it's like a, I actually it's a perfect place for a 
it's a perfect place for an all ages venue because like not only is it a record shop it's a coffee shop but the like the the stage is tiny <laughs> how awful was it playing all ages shows or like you know underground shows when it was like well, well we play like at vfws and the vfws were like giant oh yeah <laughs> and like and the people would show up it doesn't matter we got we all played these all ages shows where like the venues are giant or like uh gone to them where like it's meant for like 500 people, but like 30 people show up. It's the worst. And it just looks like, like you're in one fucking corner. It's like, oh, cool. Yeah, it's yeah, awful. It's, it's awful. That's what's, that's great. Great about yeah. That's what's great about like Cadence that I noticed that because they said they're having all ages shows. That's like a tiniest room. I was like, this is awesome. Yeah, you know, you get enough people in there, you feel like a fucking rock star. You know. Yeah, uh, but, uh, I was playing in this hardcore band for a little while uh, called Warnos. Yeah, we played there and. <laughs> One of our du- our guitarists, um, since it's not a bar, he can't go and just slam beers. So he went and he'd go get, uh, he'd go get those little those little cups of coffee. And we're looking for his ass in the like sea of thirty people, which, like you said, in a small venue, it seems like a sea of people in that small room. And then he comes up to the stage with his tiny little cup, <laughs> and then we can just play loud fucking music. Yeah, I love Cadence. Like uh, one of the guys that runs that place, he was uh, in a couple of punk bands growing up. One was Corporate Distortion. Um, but it's been really cool seeing them having built that up and that it it made its way through the pandemic and everything. And I'm proud of them. Yeah, I was I was really impressed. Like the I was playing with this with this gal named Sally Grayson. She's like uh, from here, but she's like a expat. She lives in Germany, but she was here because she was doing some shows in town and like I. And like, she knew, like, she knew the owner mm-hmm. and, uh, I had never, I had never been there before and there's really no reason why, uh, why I haven't, but like, I mean, maybe cause it's in St. Paul, but like, uh, uh, I, man, it was great. Mm-hmm. There was like this, this is the, the biggest regret that I have of this show, uh, of that show. Mm-hmm. I had, a, I had an excellent gig that night. We all played really well. We, we actually had learned the music like a couple days before we had to play it. So like I charted everything out. Everything was fucking Versace. It was fucking amazing. You know, everything was crispy clean. Oh yeah. Play the show. A lot of feeling. It was it was a good good show. My only regret, one regret from the show. I was going up there to the coffee shop to get a to get a coffee mm-hmm. and to get a bagel. And down on my left was this basket of stickers. And mm-hmm. all the stickers were were a, were a, were a dollar or something like that. Mm-hmm. And I looked down and there was a fucking corn sticker. <laughs> and bro, I wanted it so bad, but it's a corn sticker, oh, right? Yeah. I was like I was like why? I mean, I was like corn. I was like Could you feel like your oh, want... jeans expanding as you looked at it? Yeah, I looked at it and I was like, "Oh, I want this fucking sticker." <laughs> it's like I'm going to put it right I'm going to put it right on my fucking guitar case. It's going to be like ironic because that's what we're all, everyone's into these days. So like yeah. uh, being ironic as fuck. And like, um, but I wanted to get that sticker so bad, dude. And I was like, it was, I was like, dude, it's a corn sticker. No one's going to fucking want it. If it's there in a minute, whatever. Mm-hmm. I go back up to get another fucking coffee. It was gone. Uh, and I even yeah. asked the lady, I was like, there was two people working there. It was like the owner and like this, and this other gal. Uh-huh. And I asked her, I was like, what happened to my corn sticker? And she was like, I don't know what you're talking about. You know, and I was yeah. like, you know, and I was, re- I was like kind of bummed. I was acting more bummed than I actually was, but I kind of wanted that fucking sticker or whatever. But yeah, 
That, that was the most awfulest thing that ever happened that happened that night. And if that is, if that's the most awful thing that happened to me that night, that the night was pretty, pretty, pretty good. You know what I mean? The corn so, sticker incident. Yeah. Yeah. The corn sticker. I wanted that. Actually, you know, I, I would have, I would have been funny to like bomb someone with that, that sticker, you know, how like, like, uh, you know, people just have like a bunch of like stickers and stuff on their back or whatever, or the back right. of their car, their hatchbacks. Yes. <laughs> Fucking whip it on some guys, you know, that'd have been hilarious. Oh, that would have been awesome. But yeah, but that was, that, uh, that was a great show. I mean, it was a great venue or whatever. And I'm just glad that there's, that they still exist, you know? Yeah. Yeah. There, there was, well, just... uh, there was a all ages venue that they were starting up, um, around there. Uh, like right before the pandemic that someone was in the process of developing and I'm not, I don't know what happened to it. I met, I actually talked to about it with Aaron and I keep meaning to go back and see what happened to it, but we'll, we'll have to see, but I'm, I'm thankful that a place like Cadence is around because what's weird is there's like this hardcore scene around here that really likes that place. And they're just like, fucking ninja style fucking windmills fucking shoes and yeah. everything yeah whoa why yeah <laughs> i don't know dude like i it's it's not like that didn't exist yeah you know like you go to like you know you go to like agnostic front shows or whatever or like you know you go to like hardcore shows like people like are doing that shit or whatever like they're slam dancing or like are skanking you know or whatever crowd mm-hmm. surfing just doing like all the all the stuff and everyone was always like super cool about live, picking you up and making sure that you got right back up, you know, yeah, and all that stuff. But like, I've seen some, like some videos and I was like, man, like, I don't, I don't know. And I'm like, fuck that. I'm not even like saying this cause I'm a geezer or whatever. I'm saying like, that looks like it fucking hurts. Don't punch me in the face. You know, I just remember that like back, here you go back in the day, you know, like, you know, you'd be at a show mm-hmm. and someone fucking, you know someone punched you in the face or whatever oh dude yeah. you know you you would be like fuck you you know what i mean like or whatever you know but uh, at shows you know what i mean but like uh but i know it's just a part of it it is you don't have no one no one ever made anybody go in the pit so it's fine but but yeah i bet i bet if you go if you're seeing a hardcore show at cadence and people are like you know slam dancing like that yeah yeah you'll but, catch a fist by accident <laughs> shit yeah you'll catch a fist that's just a part of it whatever yeah all right well how about um closer to more current stuff so so you knew doug Otto before uh drop steppers and way before way before so how long has he had his band doug Otto and the getaways with you guys oh my god uh yeah okay so Doug, Doug was in a band with Chris called Dream Paris. It was kind of like their high school band. Okay. And I went to go see them at this coffee shop in South. Um, it was like Diamond Lake Road. Diamond Lake Road in Nicolet. Oh, what the hell is the name of that place? Anyways, it was, it was this coffee shop, all okay. ages. And they, 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 their band, their high school band played a show. And Doug and Chris already had been like, they were like a, a, a class ahead of me at Music Tech okay so they're already in college and they, they played a show there as june paris and i went to go see doug and like man like doug's skills at singing and like songwriting at the time like this was like his high school band's music like 
Mm-hmm. Like they didn't, they're not written any new music. I, and I, I went to go check them out because they were just kind of reuniting or whatever. It was fucking great, man. And like, there was two moments in my career so far where I was like, I need to get in this band or I need to work with these people. And mm-hmm. the two times where I felt that way, it actually happened. And one was with, with Doug. I was like, I got to work with this guy. I don't know how, but I got to. You know what I mean? Yeah. And then uh, Chris and Doug were about to graduate from college. And um, I was more chummy with Chris because we had a class together and we would bond over like cigarettes and Vonnegut, like this Vonnegut books, these like books that we're reading in class, and, like just books. You yeah. Know, just like what we're reading. I've, I've always like, I wouldn't say that like I'm a, a bookworm, but I love reading. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Um, maybe because I don't want to make myself seem like a nerd. <laughs> no, I, I feel you. Nine trick pony. So, but we were bonding over like smokes and we're having a cigarette or whatever. And, and I, it came up when we we're just kind of like hanging out. And he's like, yeah, because they were both, they're both about to leave, but I was going to, I was going to be in, um, in, in college for like another fucking year and a half or something like that. Mm-hmm. So they were leaving and, and um, they were like, we talked about it. It's like, yeah, if you guys ever need a guitar player or something, just like, let me know. And he's like, yeah, dude, you're, you're just, you know, like totally, you know, you know, I'll, uh, how those conversations work yeah you know um so i they, they we had they ended up graduating and then i ended up like going to like a couple parties with them just hanging out like you know hanging out and stuff and coming friends with them more friends with them yeah. and then we and then we had this opportunity to um we had this opportunity to like play this was like maybe a few years later two years later something like that doug i got a call from chris he was like, hey, we're going to like throw this band together and play at the terminal bar. We're going to be playing there every Tuesday or, you know, I think we might have started on like a Wednesday, but it was like it was two, it was Tuesday. Let's, let's just say for the sake of the story, it's Tuesday because the, the dead details didn't really make any fucking difference. <laughs> but like, um, but like, that's how we kind of got started. I just kind of got a call from Doug and like, and then we, we started playing together uh, at the terminal every week. Okay. for like you know for like 50 bucks and like beer you know what i mean but then we that's that started like in 2004 okay it was like it, it was like when i when i graduated finally and then like I, I was starting to gig out you know what i mean trying to gig out professionally mm-hmm. you know but uh uh it was like in the early aughts or whatever and like we started playing at the terminal bar like every week 
So it was like, let's just kind of put it at like 2003, 2004, probably to like now. Sure. But, uh, but mm-hmm. yeah, we've been, we've been jamming for a really long time. You know, and the only, the only real people that we've swapped out is like uh, the bass players for various reasons. But um, mm-hmm. yeah, but I've been playing with Doug and Chris for fucking years now, man. Yeah. Yeah. At, uh, at that No Rad show with the prize fighters, there was someone I was, um, I was, I was sitting down and I was worried I was getting in someone's way. I was like, Hey, I'm sorry. If you need me to move, I'll move out of your way. He's like, no, it's okay. No, I'm friends with, uh, the drummer, Chris, do you know him? It's like, uh, no, but I know the Perez's and I know Tim and Maddie. <laughs> I know everybody else. And then, uh, and then hearing you talk about just how long you've been working with Chris, that's, that's really cool to see musicians just having worked together for so long and keeping those. Oh, people. that's Chris. I'm talking about Chris Gray, not Chris oh. Oh. No, but no, but on the other, I've, I've been playing with Chris Keppola for many years too, but like in the poor nobodies. Oh, okay. You know? um, but Chris, Chris Gray, I don't know if you, I don't know if you ever met him, man. Like have you ever, have you ever been to a getaway show at least uh, once? Uh, we... um, anyways, it doesn't, it doesn't matter, but yeah. uh, if you ever, Chris is a longtime collaborator, longtime friend, longtime everything, basically, bro for life. Yeah, I just known him for a really long time, but that, that's Chris Gray. Um, oh, the, the drummer for the, but for the yeah, but you said? I've been playing with, I've been playing. Yeah, they're both drummers. Chris, Chris, Chris Gray and Chris Heppel. Obviously, you know Chris Heppel. Yeah. Um, that's the Chris you're talking about, right? And Chuck Norad? Yes. Yep. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> but, um, but yeah. But the, uh, yeah. But the, so you know most of the people in Chuck Norad? I know a fair amount. Like I worked with, uh, I worked with Tim at Schmidt Music for a while. Uh, I remember Maddie from, P. Lackers, Hennepin County Millionaires Club, just random stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and well, actually, the Getaways, we had that show at the Sterling Roots where I played in my hardcore band, Cat Fantasy, and that's where the mustard incident happened too. <laughs> oh <laughs> yeah, God, I was fun. Yeah, that was. It's re- like it's not it's not worth remembering, but it's not worth like I I totally remember it, you know. Yeah. But uh, that guy was that show, huh? Yeah, okay. I do remember that. Yeah, because there was um, Rock City Breakfast was playing, and the Prize Fighters were playing across the street at Nomad. And That's we had, right. And we had That's our right. show going on that night. Yeah. Yep. Um, yeah, the mustard incident. That's about all we need to say about it. <laughs> but uh, the, but the the drummer Chris, he said he misses, and I agree too. I miss having bills where it's like a mix. It can be a mix of genres, and it's still a fun night. It doesn't have to just be a country show or a rock show or something like that. As long as as long as like like one guy, what I like what I like to call those shows is a curated show. Okay, we have all been in like mixed bills. Where it's like just some fucking booking guy who needs to like put together a, a show because he didn't have those suck, man. I hate those. Yeah. When you show up and like, dude, getaways, uh, getaways. We've played like everywhere, at least once. Everywhere, everywhere in the city, uh, and we've played 
every single kinds of show and and then that's that's just that just comes with like playing in a band like that where you just like um have played for years you know what i mean with the same people basically you know you just get offered things you take them or you say no but man like getaways used to play these fucking like mixed bill piece of shit shows where like like at station four. Oh my god dude what? like Oh no. Yeah, dude, we get we got asses one time, and of course we're not gonna say no because we're like fucking motherfuckers to the max and we're just gonna play any show, whatever. You know, this is like the early days. Yeah. You know what I mean? For sure. It's like we're gonna play anywhere and everywhere and whoever wants to hear, you know what I mean? So like we played this show, dude, like at station four, and it's like, you know what we're talking about before, where it's just like, well, you know, like, like this is not the band. this is not the fucking bar stage in station four. This is like the main stage where we do these shows, or we did this show this one time. Mm-hmm. We show up, and you know how you like you load them through the back, and then you you and then you put your stuff in the back, and they have like this giant drum riser, and Chris is like laughing his ass off because he's like, "Is this necessary?" <laughs> yep. this giant job drum riser, man. And yeah. so like you know, so he sets up, and you know how like you know it's just like a fucking rock and roll stage. It's just where like mid level touring bands you know right before they break play because it's like you fit like whatever thousand people in a thousand you can feel like a lot of people in there you can yeah uh anyway so like and then and then they move to stages in the bar you know what i mean which i think that's what people are more used to hearing or like people who played like station four i think that's like where they you where they have them or had them i should say but anyways yeah. we played man we played like a mixed a mixed fucking build <sighs> I'll always remember that show because like I was like I'll never want to do another one of these damn things again. Yeah. I mean, but as Heppel said, like what Heppel was more talking about, because um, yeah. you're talking about Heppel, right? Or you're talking about Chris Gray. Heppel. Yeah. Heppel. So like, yeah. So Heppel, like, yeah, curated show mm-hmm. where you just know some down folks. You know what I mean? And like you you can like you can um control those things instead of like getting a show of you did another one another one of those shows at like the red sea they suck playing at the red sea because you just try to get a gig and like that dude who was like working there i can't remember his name the guy who like got in trouble for like putting his like kid in a cage yeah that shit that just that that dude whatever the fuck that guy was named fuck that guy but like um like earlier early early drop stepper shows when we played at the red sea or whatever like we we get we get tossed on bills like really weird bills but but anyways but I know I know what Heppel means. You just get some. You just get you play with your friends. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. It's 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 just like that show that we played. You mm-hmm. know, I'm friends with you. Friends with the Sterling Roots. I got a band. You got a band. Well, no one gives a shit. You know what I mean? And actually, it's kind of conducive to the crowd because everyone knows each other. Going to get their friends out. You know what I mean? So it's it's fun. And it's like Palmer's. You no, know, why not? Yeah. But yeah, curated is a good way to put it. I've done a couple of them. No one calls it that, but I know you know you know what I mean. There's more curated shows as opposed to like getting pushed on a bill you don't want to be on because it's like, dude, we play like a fucking like hard hard rock band too. It's like Getaways, you know, Getaways. Man, we got like say what you want about our music or whatever, but it's not fucking metal. You know what I mean? <laughs> um, and like we got put on a fucking bill like that, dude. <sighs> like some butt. Why would you do that? Shit? Why would you do that? No, it was just some fucking, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have called them metal, yeah. but they're definitely like hard rock, I guess, you know? Okay. Um, <sighs> I don't know. I don't know if that makes any sense, but like, you know, they definitely, the, 
they definitely weren't like super super metal or anything like that but it was enough where it's just like a fucking mismatch you know mm-hmm. what i mean yeah oh so speaking of the poor nobodies um for anybody <laughs> who doesn't know the first time i realized and i said it out loud to a friend i was like all right so poor as in i have very little money and nobody is in i've got nobody and then i said it to my, <laughs> friend, my guitarist friend ryan and i was like hey did you see the poor nobodies oh christ the poor nobodies cool then knowing you guys at that time i was like oh they probably thought it was funny shit too in in my career like what's fortunate about like being uh, it like you know it's it's really nice when you like join a group but you didn't put the concept together mm-hmm. you know you you look at all the players that are on uh, that are in the band and you're like yeah i, I want to fuck with all these guys you know what i mean i joined the band after they already had had one release so like i i didn't come up with the concept i didn't come up with like the name or anything like that so i don't really know the history of where they came up with it but what i do know about that name is that it's poor the poor nobodies like yeah. someone who is a no count yes it's not supposed to be funny like the porno buddies or whatever like people want to twist it or whatever uh, and Okay. I will also say about the name is that there had been talks when I was in the band of changing it, but it never did. Um, you know? Okay. And I also want to say for the record that I don't play with those dudes anymore. I'm still really tight with everybody. Okay. Um, so I don't know what's going on with them. I can just only talk about what I had done with them and like up until, up until a few years ago. So. Okay. Well, that's good to know. <laughs> Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just, just, just. I mean, I, I, and like I said, I'm, I'm still tight with everybody. You know what I mean? So. Yeah, which I could definitely uh, tell with No Rad, since a couple of the players from there are in that band. Man, I fucking, I do. I love playing with fucking Chris and Jenna again. Like, yeah, it was. Uh, it when 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 Chris asked me, honestly, when Chris asked me, I was a little surprised. Oh really? I mean? Because like I, I well. It, the only reason why I was surprised was because I had quit, you know what I mean? And like, I, I had been like, I had been like drinking a lot and stuff. I, I, I've been sober for like two years, you know what I mean? But like, I had been drinking a lot and I wasn't, I was in this band. I was in Church of Cash and I was gigging a lot. And I just didn't have a lot of time for the poor nobodies. And, and really, I didn't really have enough time, a lot of time for much of anything except drinking and playing in one or two bands, you know what I mean? Yeah. So like, I I thought that was the best that it was in in my best interests for and for them to, that I just left. You know what I mean? Because I didn't have time for them, and then like you know I didn't have I didn't have time to to put into any more new projects. And yeah. So I had I just between those two things I, I had to quit. You know, and like and then I wasn't like writing for the band. You know what I mean? Oh, okay. And we were and 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 when I took when I was when I was gigging with Church Cash, I like I, I didn't um, I was not putting in the time. Like they had some projects product coming up that needed, and and what's what's great about the poor nobodies is that it feels so good to like when you have the time to put your maximum creative effort into it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, and I just couldn't do that with those dudes because I was so busy. You know what I mean? And um. But uh, but I'm, it feels really great to be in a band with those guys again, because we go we go way back too, you know. 
We, I, that was the first, that's the first band that I was in that went to Europe, you know? Really? Um, oh. Yeah, that, that we, I went with that group first and then with El Drifte second and then with Church of Cash those handful of times after that, you know what I mean? So we, we did a lot of cool shit, you know? That, that tour, that tour with the Poor Nobodies, yeah. that was all done completely independently. Mm-hmm. Like we booked, we booked that tour the same way that we would book a tour if we were like trying to play on the East Coast, which is fucking gnarly. Yeah, I don't recommend it, but it can be done because we did it. And uh, we're not the only band that's ever done that, and won't be the last. But I tell you, I uh, I've been over there with like support, mm-hmm. and it is way different. <laughs> <laughs> but but I will say I will say that very first tour, and it's not because it was my first tour in Europe, but it was the most fun. It was the most fun. Yeah, um, I saw a couple pictures where it looked like you guys were busking or something around, just kind of setting up and playing. Oh, you saw those? Yeah. yeah like, okay, so we we did everything independently. Like we we booked, dude. We just got on the internet and made phone calls. Like okay. we just did it all ourselves. And then we had a couple, we had a couple shows uh, tossed to us from, from um, some friends, some connections and stuff like that. Uh, we played this, we played this, uh, this uh, uh, squat in, in um, Brussels. Brussels, in Brussels. Okay. And that was a, that was a, that was a hookup from uh, my buddy Drew. People know him as Deep Cookie. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Deep cookies of shit. Drew is my guy, and like, uh, it was a hookup. There was this, there was this, like this, um, either like a a folk art, a folk. I, I never met the dude, but his name was like his name was Magpie. He knew and and uh, Drew knew this dude over there. And he said he could hook us up with this like squat in in Brussels. So we got that one tossed to us. Our friend Sally, who I was mentioning earlier, that we played that I played a cadence with, um. She's an expat and she lives in Stuttgart, um, Germany. And she hooked us up with a show, a couple shows. It was a bunch show. I think it was a couple shows, maybe. There were some connections. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, you know, we had some help booking those. But, uh, but yeah, so, like, with the bus gig and everything, that, that picture was taken in Ghent. Uh, this is kind of a wild story. Okay. So, that day that we were playing in Ghent, Jack Klatt told Chris before we were heading out that, his homeboy was going to be out there. Like he was going to have his friend who was just backpack backpacking, but like backpacking in the way that like you hop a fucking train, like, you know, he was just a traveler. You know what I mean? Yeah. He was about, he was about our age at the time, you know, Um, you know, he had his guitar on his back and like, you know, he was just doing the exact same thing he would be doing in, um, in the States, except he was doing it. He's trying to do it in Europe. Mm -hmm. He's playing his guitar, uh, putting the hat out and then moving on. You know what I mean? Yeah. So Jack Clatt told us that his buddy was going to be out there and we we're playing out in Ghent and uh, we're busking. And we we were kind of stewing about we we're really, really sheepish about setting up places because we didn't want to get like kicked out. We just because if we're going to set everything up, we might as well just play. Yeah. You know, so we found this like we found this bridge and we just started fucking playing. And like this guy like walks up and he looked like looked kind of rough and he just like was like hey i heard music and i decided to come over and he like knew perfect english 
Okay. They were like, oh, yeah, you're from the States? And we just started making conversation with him, like, in between, like, playing. Mm-hmm. And it turned out it was that fucking guy that no, I was shit. talking about. Yeah, like, Chris knows, remembers his name. I don't remember his name or whatever, but I knew that, I know that he knew Liz Draper, mm-hmm. and I knew that he knew Clat. Because, like, you know, uh, um, and like I said, we, he just randomly kind of fucking popped up again. And then he told us that he was on his way to to England, but he got turned away because it's really it's really hard. If you can come, if you come across the channel in, in Europe, you know, with a fucking banjo on your knee or whatever, yeah, looking like fucking Willie Willie and the fucking poor boys and shit, you know, like he just came off the box car, like yeah. this guy looked like, you know, like yeah. they're not gonna let you in. They didn't let him in, and and uh, yeah. so he got he got turned back around, and then he he told us this crazy story how he hitched back he hitched from like from england after they denied him from like you know north of france like back up or whatever uh-huh. and then he ended up he ended up like in ghent and he just randomly fucking hurt us kind of on his own adventure and we just kind of met this like homeboys homeboy you know what i mean and he was i you know what's really weird is that i had met him in minneapolis mm-hmm. because he was like you know as you know um minneapolis kind of has this every scene kind of has a every scene kind of has like some sort of roots that you know like just the punk punk roots punk grass punk roots you yeah. see you know what were crusty punks now have like banjos and mandolins now. Yeah. That was a really weird, that was really strange to me when that started happening to me, you know, because I was like really into roots music and stuff like that. And then also it's like punk rockers playing bagpipes. Huh? Okay. <laughs> but anyways, uh, uh, but the, every, every scene has like some sort of roots thing attached to them. You know what I mean? Like if you really mm-hmm. think about it, it does like, you know, there's like, you might be metal, but also you kind of like Southern rock. So the rock's kind of bluesy. You know what I mean? There's always like some sort of time. Maybe that's not a very good example, but you understand what I'm saying. Certainly do. So, so like, so that scene that used to hang out, that scene that used to hang out at, God, I really wish I remember his name, but uh, Mike, Mike, Dave, it doesn't matter, I guess. But I, I remember meeting that dude at, at, at the Bedlam. And it was kind of, a, it was kind of crazy. Like mm-hmm. seeing him like out in Europe or whatever. But, uh, but that tour was like, like, but, and then we, and then that picture where that picture was taken was like in one of the squares in Ghent. And like, we would, we would, we would busk, we would busk every day, you know, or we would try to, you know, just to try to, for, cause we're doing everything independently. And we were just like, we would just busk, you know, if someone wanted to go get a coffee and a, uh, you know, something to eat, they would just leave and go do that or go look at a church or whatever. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, you just go like hang up, but then come back and play a little bit more and stuff. And we'd do that, you know what I mean? Like when we're out there in between. So that was that was just kind of a part of it. And I never, I, and all the times, the other times that I was with other bands, we never like did anything like 
like that or whatever. But but because we were trying to do that, you know, we met that dude again. You know what I mean? He, and then we ended up like going to like Amsterdam. He met us up in Amsterdam. He insisted on traveling on his own. He didn't even hop in the van with us. He stayed with us one night in Ghent because we got like a hostel. Yeah. We got and uh, and then he was like, "No, I'll just see you guys in Amsterdam." You know, and then we met him up in Amsterdam and like, you know, smoked a bunch of grass and like went to the red light district. And like, and then after that day, he just kind of went off and did his own thing. Never, never, I never seen him again, but like, uh, I wish I would remember his fucking name. Kepler remembers. Yeah. Uh, um, but, uh, but yeah, that was all independently, dude. Wow. You know, we booked everything ourselves. We like, and, and we traveled the, I traveled the most with that band. Like the tour was more spread out. You know, we played in like um, Berlin and Amsterdam, uh, Paris. We did like two gigs in Paris. Those were fucking crazy. Um, we did that squat in, in uh, Brussels. That was fun. That that tour, like, you know, we toured with nine people. It was like the band plus entourage. Yeah. If you want a fancy word for that shit. But like, you know, um, but we, we, we traveled all in one van all of us, all those people, uh, we had like Chris's life, um, like finding us places to stay, you know, mm-hmm. she was kind of like our tour manager, so to speak, you know what I mean? Yeah. But, but that was, that was a fun, that was a fun trip. Uh, yeah. That's something you really couldn't pull off too well in the U S like you could do it in new Orleans in very select cities. But I imagine that was definitely an experience in and of itself. Yeah, like you said, just to set up certain spots, wander off, see some really cool things, and then come back and keep playing. Yeah, and then come back, you know, and it was like, it's like that. And we wouldn't be there like all day, like how, you know, buskers usually would do it. You know what I mean? Like we just kind of set up and try to promote for our, promote our show or promote the music. You know, we just like, we had like these, uh, you know, we had like these free download cards would hand those out or whatever. If someone really wanted one, you know, if someone really wanted a record, they can grab a record or whatever. You know what I mean? But yeah. Um, but it was all we all self-supported ourselves that very first time. Um, it was a really big pain in the ass to like book it and everything. But man, was it fucking worth it? I wouldn't, you know, we, we played in like Bern, Bern, Switzerland, like so where they have like the the Eureka clock, you know, or like Einstein um you yeah. know had the notion for uh for everything he like mastered the universe and like by staring at this clock <laughs> i love how like that's how i kind of took it when they were like that's einstein's clock he looked at it and he was like e equals mc squared i was like and he i was like yeah like like all that other stuff that he was researching before had nothing to do with it that's like my cynical mind or whatever but it's, it is a beautiful clock don't get me wrong it's a yeah. beautiful clock in a beautiful town um but yeah we played there our friend Sally opened up for us there in Bern. Oh, dude, Berlin. We mm-hmm. played in Kreuzberg neighborhood, which is like the artist district. I'll never forget that shit. That was a, a create. I never seen like, you know, like a Berlin is like a major, one of the major metropolitan, um, major cities in the in the world. You know what I mean? And I and I could see why, but it's just like it's beautiful. You know what I mean? Like um, where we were was. Comp- I mean, we just kind of heard, it's like this, I heard this is where a lot of the musicians and, or, you know, and artists are, we just kind of like booked there. I had no idea. 
I don't think anybody had any idea. We just had like kind of a shred of, we just had a lead, you know what I mean? And then we just like kind of like found a place to play, but that was, Berlin is something else. Here we get a chance. And then you gotta go to that very, you gotta go to Kreisberg. Where, right. um, okay. Yeah, where, where the, we're out in, and it's just like, everybody does something. You know what I mean? So everybody's a painter, an artist, student, you know? And, um, but that was, that was a really good tour. Um, and it'll always be like my favorite, most memorable, that's for sure. And then all the other stuff that I did over there was, was great. With like El Drift Day was great. Church Cast Up was pretty fun, you know? But uh, that, that first one, I mean, there's like a million stories on, on each, just on that tour too. But uh, but yeah, but traveling with nine people, I highly recommend it. Everyone should do it. I would like to one day. I'm. I told uh, my friend. I told Brian Heidel the last one. Like I'm kind of living vicariously through you guys who have done extended tours of hearing your sweet stories. I'm like, oh, that'd be fun. Mm, I got to get a band back together and do this shit again. <laughs> but it's cool to you hear. Know, this you know what the? Yeah, I I feel like. I feel like you just, it's just like anything else. You just got to get like, if you can't have like six people, like have the same, like want to travel, you know what I mean? Get three and make a band, get two and make a band. Yep. You know, as long, whatever, whatever you have to do in order to get it on the road, it doesn't have to be with a four piece. It doesn't have to be with three piece. You can do it with two. You can do it with one. The lowest you know, but, pair. <laughs> yeah. Like the lowest pair. Yeah, exactly. But here, but just if, if that's what your if that's what you uh, your heart's desire, you know, just do it with like you know, just do it. Me personally, like my my whole idea about traveling and everything is in a fucking four piece band, you know. So I always tried to make that happen for myself, you know. And like I, I'm not like I haven't been on the road like, you know, I've been on the road, but like you know, I haven't been like cross, you know, like 200 dates a year in one band, you know, you know, a bus. You know all the all that stuff. You know what I mean. I've never done any of that, any of that. But like you know, just being in the van. I always wanted to like play in like some you know in a rhythm section and do that. You know what I mean? Yeah. But uh, if you if it's it can be um can be done. You know, um, there's a lot of great places to play regionally. You know. Yeah. Um, but it's always it's always it's always a challenge to find people to commit. That's what it really comes down to, you know, and then what, like, what are your like aspirations and your goals? You know what I mean? If it's, if it's just to like beat the doors down and, and like, you know, just be on the road, that's great and everything like that. But like when people, obviously, you know this, but like, you know, when people like do it, it's like, you know, you got to have some sort of like idea of what you want. You know what I mean? And, and it should be a, an incline, not a decline. You know what I mean? So, yeah. Yeah. you know, you make the record, you go on the road promote the record you know what i mean but mm -hmm. but it's like a lot things are changing too like you know it's like now there's not a lot of like not a lot of that stuff where you don't you don't really have to do some of that stuff anymore you know you can just everything's done on social media and on the internet and all that stuff you know um but i'll always be romantically tied to being in the van and and going out
Um, I guess as far as more recent events go, uh, we'll kind of wind this down a little more. So just before, but we won't have to talk about COVID, but uh, just before uh, the COVID lockdown hit. Um, so D-Steps, Drop Steppers were going to play this benefit show for our friend Jenny. Um, how, how was it just yeah. getting back together for like, for a little while with the old crew and just playing those songs? How was that for you? It was great. I mean, it wasn't hard. To, it wasn't hard to get people to agree to do it. That's for sure. I mean, we didn't, we didn't like, we never really, I, I describe like the band breaking up as more of a hiatus. I mean, everyone just started kind of doing their own thing, you know, yeah. like, like the band, the band, um, like we lost Mr. Perfect and like, and he was going to go do his thing. So, you know, there was no one else for us to really get, you know what I mean? Like, how can you, how can we replace like Bri Bri? Like, yeah. you know, and, um, you know, Tom started writing his own music for his own solo stuff. So like, you know, he had to pay more attention to that. And like, I think that he took the opportunity the band was kind of like fizzling and um, to go do that, you know what I mean? And so like, you know, it was more of a hiatus. I mean, I, I mean, I wanted to, I wanted to keep fucking, I mean, that's just the way I am. I just burn every, I want to do it all the time, always or whatever, you know what I mean? Yeah. And uh, so like when, Brian left. I'm like, well, fuck. What? Okay, that sucks. We'll just get a new, new guy. And then Tom like wanted to do his own thing. All, all I want to say is that like, you know, we we never. It was. I wanted to keep going with the band. You know what I mean, and keep playing and stuff like that. But like, it was fizzling out. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and then he wanted. Then Tom had his own personal stuff that he wanted to do, which was which is all great. Which you know, the Junior Thomas stuff is sounds fantastic. Mm -hmm. And um. um so like, you know, we always look for opportunities to play, but it just never like literally lined up or anything like that. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. And it was, everyone was kind of doing other things anyways. When that opportunity came up, we really wanted to do it. You know what I mean? Uh, we rehearsed all the music up and everything. And and we got Whitney to play keyboards with us. You know, mm -hmm. it was always kind of like, I always had like this, uh, uh, I always wanted to like have like this duet thing happen between Tom and like, you know her oh, we, never got, we never we never got to it you know what i mean yeah. maybe one day you know what i mean but uh but you know it was it was fun working all that stuff up again you know it was like really and we were like trying different things with different arrangements we've always been like that with the band like we were just like we've tried different arrangements and like you know not necessarily like change up the music completely but like you know try to make it a little bit better a little tighter you know what i mean so yeah. like all that all that that work ethic that like we had like when we we had we had like um went on hiatus like um uh went on hiatus like was kind of back you know what i mean and then um you know i mean we we're like buds with like whitney you know and so it was it was it was natural for for it was a natural you know for feeling for her to be in the band you know what i mean or to play with us but i yeah it's a shame that we didn't get to do it you know i mean like yeah. it's it was uh when we got when the governor said all that shit or whatever you know i said like you know we were shutting things down it's just like it was kind of like pandemonium at that point you know no one knew what the fuck was going to happen or what was or how how 
severe the problem really was you know what i mean and it was yeah. just like that's like we just felt like oh that's like the best thing for us to do is to kind of cancel this you know what i mean because we don't know what the hell i actually showed up at the at the benefit yeah you um, did yeah you were there at the end with the, with the amp yeah yeah with, yeah i borrowed the amp and like my homie kurt like uh i talked about a couple times already at the, on this podcast um he was the first drummer and he was the merch guy with us when we went to vermont or oh, i'm sorry i went to montreal but uh kurt was in town and he wanted because it was like the the band was getting back together and he wanted to see us and i was like yeah, so he came all that way and we never got to play or whatever but um i don't know i mean i'm still open to playing with those dudes i mean i still love all those guys you know what i mean so yeah. like, um, um but it, it was it was really fun like it was like uh, getting those like uh feelings back again um like excitement of playing that of playing that music you know what i mean yeah uh it was great yeah. and uh, hopefully one day we'll be able to revisit it yeah. Yeah. You can only control so much. I hope you guys do too, but you know, we're getting at this stage in our life where we have all this stuff going on. You've got numerous projects already as it is. It's hard to squeeze I in. Do, though, you know what I mean? Like, it's more about like, it's more of just finding the, it's, it's like, it's not, it's like finding the time to do it. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, you know, I, I always feel like I can make room for one, <laughs> for one more thing. I mean, maybe that's just like that, that, you know that's just the way that i am i always have like five or six things going on you know what i mean and you just kind of see what sticks and things fizzle out and something especially if like you try to do it for like a living or whatever it's always kind of like that you know what i mean whether it's like if you have like these projects that i do for like work because this is what i what i make money on mm-hmm. or whatever i have like these like couple other projects that i you know that these are my like my self-indulgent ones you know where i don't care if i don't make any money whatsoever or anything like that you know what i mean um, sure. that's that's the that's the awfulness and the what's so great about the business is that you know you can do things that are completely just for money you know and you can do like these things where it's like you know they're completely self-indulgent and wonderful you know what i mean but they're both great you know what i mean you just got to find a it's it's about finding a balance so like you know it'd be nice to get back together with the drop steppers if that's if that's what we want to do but um I don't I don't know. We'll see what happens. You know, yeah. I'd love to I'd love to like at least make up for that show. I would love to do that. You know, um I know it was a bit, I know that it was like a, a disappointment that we like we didn't we didn't do that show, but hey. Man, know, that was understandable. We didn't, we didn't know we didn't know what the fuck that this fucking pandemic shit was going to You know what I mean? Like it, yeah. it was like Yeah. I mean, I I don't feel the same way that I did about this whole situation that day that's day one how i mark it for myself is that show mm-hmm. how i feel about it now you know what i mean like yeah back then i was like so in denial about the whole thing you know what i mean mm-hmm. and and then now um i have nothing but like you know gratitude for anybody who's like i'm glad that people are safe and trying to take care of themselves and everything and like you know blah 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 blah, blah. we talked about the candy (laughs) as far as like newer stuff so you've got uh chuck no red which i had a hell of a lot of fun when i saw you guys play with the prize fighters and that was my first show back since everything started and that was i mean my show back my first show back too that's yours too well i well i did some others well that's not that was not i'm not gonna count that back because that's none of you like making it sound more glorious than it really was but um i it was one of my first shows back Let's okay. Just leave it at that. Cool. 
and Palmer's had such a sweet setup. I love how they set up the uh, the patio for all that. It's very cool. Yeah, they're not they're not fucking around there, man. And I really appreciate that. And we we all do, you know, as performers, we all do. You know what I mean? And it's not if not for nothing else, just the gesture. You know what I mean? Like it's just like I'm not gonna fucking argue with anybody about any kinds of contradictions on fucking masks and all this fucking I don't have time for those those dudes. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I've spent all the time I want to with, with that. I'm not going to argue with anybody, but I, I'm going to fucking say, man, like from a perform, performer standpoint, I completely appreciate what they're trying to do and what they're doing, doing for like the scene as well. Like it, it costs money to get in and all the money goes to like the performers. When you work with Chuck Norad, we, we split everything equally amongst everybody. You know, like we're just trying to make an effort to like have some sort of like equity in in the music scene you know and like i kind of feel i kind of feel like this pandemic that we have uh we've ripped out all the fucking bullshit we have an opportunity and we can start over again you know what i mean Mm -hmm. we we can we can get back to this point of playing regularly in the city and you know um and build something new you know what i mean and i feel like with, with what palmers is doing is is a is a really good example you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, because, like I said, if nothing else, just for the gesture of just like caring about the people and the performer. You know what I mean? Definitely. And, uh, and charging a, a reasonable cover. If you want to be there, you can be there, and you 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 pay a cover. And it, it, just remember, it all goes to us. It's not like lining. I mean, for one thing, it, you know, it's not like lining like lining someone's pockets is like some grease ball or something, you know some dickhead. You know what I mean? Yeah. You know. It's, it's like all, I mean, even if it did, it was like, it's going to Tony. Tony's good shit. Yeah, Tony's you know? he's awesome. What the hell? Yeah, so like, it's not, it's not like, um, I just like what, I like playing there. You know what I mean? Um, now, you know, because of that. Yeah. Um, so like, yeah, it was really good. And I, I got to play there like multiple times since, since this happened. And like, actually, it seemed like at the very beginning it was like the only game in town for a minute, you know? So it was like good to like come back and like, have like where they you know they were having mat or um checking car they weren't checking cards at first but it was like mass were man- and they had the, the six feet distance thing and whatever you know what i mean yeah they had, like pro- protocol that's what that's where i'm looking for there's another word to toss around but, yeah uh, the protocol uh necessary in order to like do their job you know what i mean yeah and um chuck norad just played there like not too long ago like last week and like um it was the same thing you know they're checking cards and get a cover the cover went to, to, to the band and everything you know it was a great show you know what i mean well man i look forward to uh seeing some more chuck no red down the road um, i'm sure you guys have a few more shows coming up yeah we do um we're playing uh this 331 show um in december i think it's uh i have to look at the at the date here december 17th december 17th okay the three three one club we're playing there and um and then we got uh, a new uh, january 1st at dusty's actually it's gonna be they're having music again and it's another one of those shows where they're gonna be checking Vax cards and like they have a bouncer so no fucking around in there that's um, good uh, uh yeah and it's a small place and they're gonna be charging a cover and everything you know it's kind of funny how like trying to pay like try, i mean obviously this is just paying bad like paying bands from a cover like kind of keeps people away (laughs) 
<laughs> but it's kind of what you want because you don't want to like crowd up like too bad. It's like, mm-hmm. how about $30 cover? How do you feel about that? And it keeps like, you know, then you get like 30, like, you know, it's hopefully some people there really want to see you and um, they keep the numbers down and we're all happy, right? It's, it's so weird. It's so backwards these days, you know, but yet forwards at the same time. I don't know. Yeah. Whatever. But uh, yeah, we're going we're gonna to have some shows. Hopefully, I mean, we're working on some new music and stuff, so um, it's gonna be great. You know, I remember I'm I'm really glad to be in that project now. It's um, I consider them a part of my like projects I've joined and or started during the pandemic. You know what I mean? So like, I was asked to like kind of be in that band before it got gnarly, and then you know we're starting to kind of slowly start moving. You know, and it's always good to. It's good to be playing with those dudes. You know what I mean? Tell I you. really, I really, that that type of music um, that we play, like, um, I've always wanted to start some something like that again. Um, and again, I mean by like dance music. You know what I mean? Something you can dance to, maybe not necessarily all the time, but like, you know, that's definitely has that forward. You know what I mean? So um, I was just waiting for the right people. You know what I mean? And they, they found me. So. Hell yeah. Is uh that's uh the real Chuck Nolrad on Instagram? Is that where they can find you guys? Yeah, the real Chuck Nolrad on Instagram. Yeah. Cool. Um, getaways are still going. Okay. Dugato and um, the getaways. Check them out on the getaways. Yeah. Uh, we have a there's a website dugoutonthegetaways.com. Um. Uh, what else do I got? Um. Oh, me and Polly are DJing uh, once a month at Dusty's. Um, Last Chance for Love. <laughs> DJ Brown Capone, DJ uh, uh, Cholomite. Cholomite. So, uh, yeah. So, like, um, yeah, we just, like, it's just, like, me and Polly like, having a good time. So this is just an, another way for us to do that and to uh, share our music collection. So, um very that cool. I, I, special, I specialize in a lot of like uh, late 70s, 80s funk. And Polly okay. does a lot of like Latin. Um, actually, Polly's a lot more a lot more diverse in what we play. We just play whatever the hell we want. You know what I mean? It's not like a funk night or soul night or anything like that. It's like we play pretty much whatever we want. You know, so um, that's, that's been fun. We, we just started doing that. Oh, yeah. So. Well, yeah, check out uh, Last Chance for Your Love as well on Instagram and over at uh, yeah, Dusty's over in Northeast Minneapolis. Yeah. Um, and Albert, I've, uh, I want to say thank you, a huge thank you for taking your time today just to share all these stories and a bit of your history with me and whoever is listening. It's been really cool. I'm glad we actually got to yeah, this, hang, this hang out. Yeah, man. And, and, and like I said, I was like, I was kind of dreading it because I was just like, man, I, you know, I was going to like tape this big timeline thing <laughs> in front of me, like behind my, behind my phone and be like, okay, 2006. Yes. All right. And I, if you know me, I'm kind of like, I'm fucking psycho like that. You know what I mean? I, I probably would have done something like that, but I'm glad I didn't. This was yes. just, this is just fun, like rapping, you know what I mean? Oh yeah, dude. But, uh, and just like talking about this shit. Cause actually, you know, um, I'm glad at least people like under like uh know that's like we're gonna we start um it's all gonna come back again. You know what I mean? Like we talk I, I talk about the old days and stuff like that and like my where I've been and where you know whatever, but really it's just like um 
I just like uh, I hope we can always look forward. You know what I mean? And it's Absolutely. like you know things are things are gonna come back again. We're gonna make we're all gonna make brand new fucking memories. So when you interview me again in like five years or whatever, we're just gonna have a whole set of more more funny fucking stories or whatever. You know what I mean? So, um, it's it's good to like tell these ones because like really I'm just trying to make some new ones. You know what I mean? Exactly. Yeah, I like to have this so we can have yeah a bit of our history just put into one little thing and then we can move right on and make new stuff like you just said. All right, Albert. Well, I got to get going. I got to go pick up my girlfriend right now, but it was very good to see you. You got to get a sandwich or something. Holy shit. Was this like four hours straight? Yep. Right about five. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I got to get some food, man. <laughs> yeah, man. I got to get a slicer or a taco or something, man. All right. Well, it was nice talking to you too, Josh. And um, thanks for listening to me and uh, let's do this again. Absolutely. All right, Albert. We'll have a good rest of your day, man. We got to, we still got to do, I think, I feel like we did a new hope. Now we need to do empire and then into Jedi, like a three-parter, you know, or that we do like a, you know, four-parter with the deleted scenes. Yes. With all the bloopers and shit. <laughs> <laughs> all right. All right. All right. Okay, I'm going to fuck off. Right. Thanks, man. Take care, Albert. See you. Before I finish off this episode, I just want to say thanks again to Albert uh, for uh, just for giving me some of his time. He's such a cool guy, and also some and also a thanks to uh, Tom McDowell for helping me find some of those foundations sound uh, foundations tracks. Uh, it was interesting to hear uh, what they'd been up to in the early years, uh, and I'm going to try and make it out to at least one of those shows that he's playing this weekend uh, we'll see how my schedule looks and i will put up some of the i will put up flyers for those shows on stories for the uh mn music makers uh podcast instagram page if you're in town be sure to check one maybe even both out thank you to anyone that's listening to this as well and in the meantime until my next episode I just heard, I just listened to a episode from my friend uh, Andy Wires, who has a podcast called The Seasick, S-E-E-S-I-C-K podcast, uh, which can also be found on Spotify. I had a really good interview with one of his friends uh, who has a history with music growing up, but um, they've gone a different uh, avenue in their life 
and I'll let them describe that better than I can. I, <laughs> I tend to stumble on my words, which is why I like to hear other people talk. <laughs> so thank you again for checking this out. And again, check out the Seasick Podcast by Andy. Uh, he's got a number of episodes. I was even on the third one where you can learn a little bit more about me and my history with finding punk through MXPX. All right. Well, thanks again and have a good couple of weeks. <laughs>